get everything set up here. Uh, good morning, all. Uh, how goes the weekend? How goes the, the day? Not too bad? I thought it was, uh, we was talking earlier, uh, Jess and I were, and Steve, just the, the nice coolness of, I think it was Friday, whenever we had that rain. And, uh, boy, I just, it was, it was welcome. Um, I'm, I'm not too, I can't, uh, I don't do too well with the heat. And so to have that coolness was, was just a, a good thing. So um, if you will, as I'm getting set up here, will you guys please turn to the Book of Romans? Um, and we're going to be in Chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be reading uh, uh, verses 18 through 23 is where we're going to be at today. So as I'm getting set up here, if you guys wouldn't mind getting set up as well. So, <clears throat> oh, Mr. Mouse. Uh, they are 18 through 23, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. So, uh, uh, I think most everyone here knows, but just uh, welcome. Um, my name's Tony Martinez. Uh, just a... Uh, uh, as much as it's hard for me to be up here, um, it, it's becoming a, a little bit easier um, to to share um, what what God has shown me in different ways, and to just read God's word together. Even if I totally fumble the ball up here, God's word is perfect, and so um, as long as we stay focused on that and reading that, that's that's the the good part. So um, we're in the book of Romans, and uh, as Nick said a couple weeks ago, um, it's a it's a book that is um, uh, pretty near and dear to me. Um, it's a book that uh, is, is very deep. Um, I encourage every single one of you guys to read it. Um, you, you know, you, you read the Gospels and you, and you see who Jesus is and what's going on there. And then you break down those Gospels more on, on how Paul did it through the book of Romans. Um, it's, it's a life-changing book. Um, it, it, God used it to, um, to open my eyes and... Uh, and, and uh, definitely grow grow by it. And so um, I'm sure that there will be things that um, um, are revealed to all of us as we go through this. Uh, it's it's a deep book. So um, where we're at, um, I kind of went back and, and I listened to Nick's sermon and then listened to Chris's sermon and tried to go back through different things. And and like I tried to get where, where was Paul at? What was going on with Paul? And I come to this like area where I kind of envisioned this desire for Paul to go to Rome, to, to go there and preach the message. Um, and I think he, because I, I look at the, the time of that uh, time period, and like, Rome was a superpower. Um, it, was a, it was an area with great like, influence as the world knows it. And so I have this feeling like that, that Paul wanted to get there. Like, if there's a place that needed the gospel, it was Rome. It'd be almost like like us in this little small town. If there's a place that needed the gospel, it'd be like Salt Lake City. There's so much things that, that go around that, that govern our state through Salt Lake City. Or if we want to go farther, maybe it's like New York City. They really need to hear the gospel. Um, I kind of got that, that feeling. And so you, you see that going on here in, in the start of this. But before he goes about it, he's like, first and foremost, I need to say, what I'm preaching, what, what good news am I talking about? And he, and he bases everything from 1 through 7 in, in the very first chapter on who Paul is, what he's doing, and who he's proclaiming. And he's trying to make sure that you get, he's proclaiming Jesus. He's not proclaiming law, he's not proclaiming the Pharisees, he's proclaiming Jesus. 
And that's, and he's, he's trying to get that first and foremost, like, hey, I haven't been able to make it to you. I really want to get to Rome, but for whatever reason, the Lord has said no as of now. So I'm going to write you this letter. And this letter is coming off like, well, here's the basis of it. If you thought it was anything but Jesus, I want to just make that clear that it's all about Jesus. And here's why. And he goes through one through seven and points that out, who he's talking about. And, and then you get that, that part that I feel that, that was on Paul's heart. Like through eight through 15 is this desire. Man, I desire to come to you guys. The, the, the world needs to hear this. And this hub for the world right now is Rome. And, and they need to hear it. They, they need to know about it. But, but man, the Lord's got me out on these other smaller towns, and I just haven't been able to get there, so I'm going to write it. And, and he does. And, um, and, and so we got this book of Romans that's like, Paul's having this feeling like, I need to get this message out, especially to these guys. Everybody needs to hear the message. But man, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this power in, in the world that, that needs to hear it, because there really is no power unless they have Christ. And so he's, you kind of just get that sense. Um, wasn't around when Paul was there, but I just get that sense that he's really trying to get this message out. And, and he writes this letter. And then we move to 16 and 17. And before he gets into meat and potatoes, he's talked about who he's writing about, which is Christ. He's telling him, like, I want to come there, but because I can't, here's this letter. And, and there's going to be some deep stuff. But the meat and potatoes, if you guys just catch one thing, I don't want you to be lied to. I don't want you to think that you have to go out and work harder. You go through 16 and 17, and he talks about faith. And, it, and it's like he's, he's setting you up. All these things that I'm about to tell you, all these things that we're talking about, don't get misled on, i got to go out and try harder um, and, and, and miss who I'm talking about. Because you could easily make it about yourself, that, that <laughs> i got to change my ways. Of course you do, but you can't change your ways if you don't even know the ways that are wrong. You've got to look to Christ. You've got to follow him. And so that's where we're setting, us, setting ourselves up into, is, is here we are. We've got who we're talking about, what, and there's no misinterpretation about that. It's about Jesus Christ and what he done. And then this desire to come to Rome, but he's been withheld. So he's going to try to give everything he's got, it feels like, in a letter. And then before we dive into things, I, I want to make sure you know it's about faith and faith alone. Through, through that grace that, that Christ that is, is given to us. And then he starts to where we're going to be studying today, and that's going to be 18 through 23, and that's kind of where we're just going to be going on. These are going to be some hard stuff, um, some hard things to, to go through, and, um, and, and but he doesn't mix words on a lot of it. So um, if you would, please, let's just pause for a minute and, and ask the Lord to, to come walk with us today. Um, to uh, to share his word, to share his uh, his his thoughts and his power. So, um, Father, we, we thank you for uh, well. First of all, Lord, just this day that you have given us. You 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 woke us up. You brought us here. You gave us life. Um, you got the sunshine and and, and just uh, so many things to be thankful for, Lord. Even in times of roughness and chaos in this world, Father, that that you're there. You, you've you've got this. Um, none of this caught you off guard, um, and and you're not you're not stressing about it, even though. We may that sometimes, Father. Uh, I pray for that peace that you have um, for, for all of us, Father. I pray for your word. I pray that it would leap off these pages and, and transform our lives because it is life. Um, that we would see it for what it is. Um, I pray for your word to be spoken, not Tony's word. Um, and, and where Tony comes out and I hiccup, Father, I, I pray for the grace uh, of you and the grace of, of just all that 
Um, we walk through this, Father. You use a broken vessel to bring truth. And uh, I just, Lord, it's, it's in your will, your way that any truth comes out. And I, I thank you for that, Father. Um, help uh, relieve some of that burden that sometimes, uh, I think we all put on ourselves sometimes when we're sharing the gospel. So uh, we, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence and, and, and just your love, Father. Amen. So uh, just to kick us off, I kind of, uh, I think I ran through a little bit of what uh, Nick and Chris kind of preached on. I didn't go on there what they preached on, but just kind of give us some context of where we're at and get us set up. So I would just like to go through and read um, these verses, first of all, and then we'll come down, uh, we'll, we'll come back and we'll just see what the Lord has for us today in unpacking some of these. So again, we're going to be in Romans chapter one, um, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 23. So the header of this one, God's wrath on unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, by who their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are not without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is God's word. So we may come to that, and uh, the first thing that in this culture, maybe, or what we've what we've heard and listened to is wrath of God. Does that really go with everything that I've heard uh, about our Savior? Sorry, my computer freaked out. Um, maybe this was a bad idea to bring the computer up here. Paige, we may need your technical assistance on this one, and I know it's going to be something simple. Just get my screen to pop down. It won't go down where the notes are at. The wrath of God. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> exactly. And this is not my expertise. So, um, the wrath of God. We, we hear about that, and, and that may alarm some of us. Like an all-loving, um, all-knowing God. And we come to this, this very first sentence here. For the wrath of God. And, and some of us may challenge uh, our thinking on that. Like, again, I'm struggling with this. Why, why would God be wrathful? And, and then to talk about it in a righteous way, a way that is, that is righteous, that is good, that is in our best interest. And I got thinking a, about that in, in some ways that we could understand a righteous type of wrath. And you remember... Um, I think it was two, three weeks ago, maybe longer, I can't remember, but I brought up the analogy of the oil and the water, that oil and water cannot mix. It's just a, a law that God has made. It does not mix. Um, we can try, I can shake it up. I set the bottle back down. Sure enough, they separate it again. And, and I use that analogy as sin and God. They cannot mix. He cannot be around it. None of that stuff. So we have this wrath against, against sin, against all this ungodliness. 
And to bring that into, I guess, context for us to try to understand a little bit of it, I thought of, oh, well, one of the first things I thought of was a mama bear. If a mama bear has cubs, then she sees a threat to those cubs. What do we see with that, maybe we thought, cute, cuddly bear? We see some wrath, and we see some righteous wrath that is going to protect those cubs. It's not an unrighteous wrath. It's a, it's a righteous wrath. That made me think about how many of you have ever been on the opposite side of the righteousness wrath of a grandma? Um, so there's a, there's a thing that went on in, in our neighborhood when I was younger, and um, I got to see the, the wrath of um, my friend's grandma um, yelling at me, um, not very happy with some of the things I had said, and ultimately that wrath come out because I was affecting someone she loved. I could have hurt someone that she loved. Um, there's that type of righteous wrath. You see an anger, and it's not this anger because they hate. It's this anger because they love. Um, they do hate the certain things that are going on, this, the, the situation, just as the Lord hates this sin. This sin, this, this, this hate for sin that, that causes his wrath. It's, it's, sin is something so destructive to, to, to who he is, to his creation, that it brings on this anger, this wrath of God. And again, this is a righteous type wrath. Um, hopefully I've shown that, that you can see that people get upset, people get mad, not because of selfish reasons. It's for protection. It's for out of love. Um, that mama bear, that grandma that can be upset. How many of us have seen our own moms um, come uncorked at some of the things we've done? Um, that type of righteous wrath. We was going to hurt ourselves and, and thereafter uh, to protect us. So there's that type of wrath. Now, our minds can't totally comprehend the wrath of God in in, against sin, to the best of the analogy I can do, is that that oil and water. They just don't mix. Um, God is not sin. He's everything but sin. And so there's there's something, or there's not something, there's that, um, that ugliness that God sees in that sin and what it's doing to, to his creation and to us and to himself that uh, not acceptable. Um, it goes in to, so once we see that wrath of God and it's revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness, unrighteousness of men, and then start suppressing the truth with that. And so, like, it goes from this, like, okay, we've got the wrath of God. Paul is telling us. And, and we kind of got this idea it's against sin, it's against ungodliness, it's against unrighteousness. And then he's going to go down, and he's going to try to show, uh, not try, he does a pretty good job of showing certain things. Um, why we're all due the wrath of God. Why that no one is free from the wrath of God. And, and he's going to start going down this list um, from from people in Africa that maybe um, are out in no man's land to us here in the States that, that have the privilege of having, I don't even know how many translations of the Bible, um, and to people that don't have any translations. And he goes into 19, he says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. I find that like, what do you mean it's plain to them because God has shown it to them? I've never seen God. What, what do you mean he's shown it to me? I think it's because at the end of the day, we get so used to everyday life that we just don't see it anymore. Every one of us standing here today is against all odds that we're even standing here. If you look at, if you've researched our planet and all this stuff, life and, is, and its existence is something that we just, I think, take for granted. We think it's normal when it's everything but that's been shown to us, but again, because we've had tomorrows, and the tomorrow after that, and the tomorrow after that, it's not really 
anything special anymore. So the things that are special, we just kind of look at it as like, eh, that's normal, that's expected. It's not. Uh, does everyone here understand that the very next second we have is not guaranteed? I don't think we even sometimes, like, I think we hear that, but do we live like that sometimes? Do we understand that, like, we, we've heard a lot about end times because of the chaos in our country right now. Oh, God's getting ready to come back. We've heard that a lot. And there's nothing wrong. It's in Scripture to, to, to study it and look at it a little bit. But, you know, every one of us has an end time and, and a meeting with the Savior. And, and, it, and it doesn't mean that it's he's coming next year, such and such date, because somebody prophesies that. That could mean the very next second, the very next day. But we take tomorrow as like something that we can put our foundation on. But all of a sudden that that's wrecked. We hear that maybe we have a, an, an illness, a sickness. Um, we find out, you know what, we are possibly going to die. Like we are mortal. We're, we're not going to live forever in this shell and we change. Um, certain things that go on. I mean, 9-11, I heard something that when 9-11 happened, the horrible thing that happened that, the very next Sunday that churches were packed, all of a sudden we're thinking about like, man, we do have an end. Um, I need to figure that out. I don't even know where I was going with that one. That one was a tidbit off in Tony land for a minute. Anyways, we, we, we see that what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. We have life. We see it all around us, and it's not given. I wanted to bring this, this one up, too, that I think we laugh at. I shared it with uh, Nick and Chris this morning. We take it for granted. But if I, try, I took it for so granted, I even Googled it. And I'm not saying that that's everything to life, but... What are these? Um, I don't know if you can see them, but just seeds. I'd have to ask Jen what they are. Butternut squash. Wow! I'd have had no, no idea. But we got seeds here. We take these things as such minuscule, such something so small, and we take them for granted again. Do you know in all of our wisdom and all of our understanding of, of the world, we can't make these. I know it looks simple. It's really not, but I know it looks simple. But again, it's one of those things we take for granted. That we, we get a seed, we plant it in the ground, something comes out of it. Do you know that we still don't have the power to make this grow? I can go and plant all three of these that I have left in my hand. All of us know that all three could grow. One could grow. None could grow. We don't have that power. Like, ultimately, we still don't understand everything there is. Has God given us a lot of information? You bet. Sciences are cool. It reveals God more. It shows Him more. But it shouldn't show... The thing I struggle with science is when it starts to make man the authority and God the, the, the thing to fit into our authority. That's where I struggle with it. But... Most of our, like if you go back, a lot of our universities, a lot of our colleges were centered around um, Christianity and, and about going about and understanding how God made what, what he did. Like it's, it's amazing what he has given us. So anyways, I, I, these things are so small and so, in my mind, simple, but yet we haven't gone past this. Like ultimately God gives life. God gives um, uh, he, he chooses who he wants to grow and who he chooses not to grow. Like, God is everything. Um, anyways, that was good. That I, didn't, I would have never 
Maybe a corn seed. Maybe if you would have gave me a corn seed, I could have guessed that one. Maybe. <laughs> so we're seeing here what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. And then we move on into 20. And it goes, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they are without excuse. So here again, Paul's trying to grab Tony back out of his weirdness and say, look, I'm trying to show you that no one is without excuse. Everyone knows without a doubt in their heart, even if they want to challenge that, that there is a creator, there is a God. These invisible attributes. Um, I think it'll be on the screen. Um, chapter 3 of Genesis, verses 8. I want you to read something with me on this and, and what it says. So it says in 3.8, so we've got uh, just a little context here. Um, we've got um, Adam and Eve have just sinned. We're in the coolness of the garden, and here comes the Lord walking in the garden. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Invisible attributes. Why did they hide? Where'd that come from? Invisible attributes, like, yeah, like, we see that. All of us have that. When Even the guy that we don't know about that's, that may be in the middle of the jungle that, that has never seen God, heard of God, or, or uh, excuse me, uh, the, the gospel, he's guilty of this type of sin, this ignoring how he has these invisible attributes in his body, in his soul. He knows that if he goes and kills one of his buddies, he probably needs to hide. Um, I think there's more of that, like even before he understands the consequences of what his tribesmen may do to us, there's this thing of guilt, of ugliness. Um, we have this written on us. We have this right and wrong. We have morals. We have a conscience. We've seen that from the very start, that these invisible attributes are with us. Adam and Eve went and hid. And then you see, if you read later on, God asked them, like, who told you he was naked? What's going on? Like, there's something different about you guys. We, we catch on right off the start that, that, we, that we have these things. We have these things written on our heart. You move down the line from, from this, we see life all around us. We see these things that are written on our heart. We have these morals. We have this conscience. And, and you come to understand, like, we are different on how God created us versus other created things. We reason. We ponder. God give, has given us that. These sciences that we have, they're great. They're neat things. We get to see the glory of God in action on how he builds. Divine nature. Now, so this is a, this is a little bit going off track, but I, I find it interesting. Well, maybe not off track. This divine nature that he's talking about. I just stopped when I was preparing for this, and I just looked out our sliding glass window that we have, and I just looked at the mountains. I started looking at things. We look at mountains that, that have always been there, and, and, and the order that goes on with, with everything that, like if you think about the, the weirdness to say that our water, for a moment, gets lighter than air and gets, uh, goes in a form of a cloud, and then gets taken from the sea, dropped off into a mountain, 
it's held there in snow, so it's, it's got its own little reservoir that holds it there for us through these different seasons. You go through and you, you really look at this, all this order that the world has from, I've been watching that show with Will Smith about One Strange Rock. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, but that, that's, a, that's a good show. Like, it's not nothing to do with really God, but over and over and over, you see these things that he's, he talks about, chance. Um, all these different areas, and it just opened my eyes even more on, on where we sit on this strange rock um, that God has made, um, the distance we all have from these things, how things are created, and, and it just blew me, blows me away. And out of that, we have this, in some ways, debate, you guys, in, in what's being taught. Like, <laughs> no, it's just the, the simple thing, like, we're, we're supposed to believe that out of chaos came order. Out of the chaos of the universe, that we magically appeared. That out of chaos, we have laws. Out of chaos, we have that, you know, if, if my legs get swept out from underneath me, I'm going to fall. Like, we have all these different things. And, and I think that is God, again, trying to show us, like, we have this reason. We have these thoughts. We ponder. And why we would choose to believe that you and I are by chance is something that I want you to think about. Because there's a lot of people out there that think that. There's a lot of people think that, that there is nothing out there that God did not build, that we're all just a bunch of random cells put together. And I'm challenging, maybe not this group, but I'm challenging maybe some of your friends, some of your family that, that are lost, that they don't know Christ, to ask them some of these questions. I like to use different things. And so, as you guys know, I like, I like mechanic and things. I was reading something. I didn't know this. I had to Google it, and maybe, maybe it's off, but I, I find it reasonable. There's 30,000 parts in a car. 30,000 individual parts. Then you've got these fasteners. This is a bolt. We're used to them. There's nothing fancy about a bolt. All a bolt really is doing is holding two pieces together. I could hold, if I was, you could bolt my fingers to this. Like, it's just holding something together. It's nothing fancy. The research I've done, there's, so as a, as a general fastener, there's 75 fasteners in our phones. There's 3,500 fasteners in a car. A jet plane has 1,500,000 fasteners in, in there. And when you come to this normal fastener, there's nothing fancy about it. We've had them for quite some time. We look at them in pretty... Um, comical, like there's nothing to it. Why are you bringing out a nut and a bolt? If you know anything about this, this thing has to be the right diameter for the mating nut to go on. That in itself is, okay, not that big a deal. Then we have to have the depth of the threads cut to the same depth as the nut. It's getting a little bit more challenging. You have to have the thread pitch, which is the angle that this goes on for this to go on. We also have the angle of that thread itself. There's different thread angles that you got a triangle. You've got this, you've got this. All these things have to match up. And we just talked about diameter. We talked about grades of steel. This is a grade eight. This is a very strong bolt. Um, God has given us the wisdom to 
change molecules around to make different grades stronger. I just told you there's 3,500 of these in a car, roughly. I find it strange that if I tried to sell you on that, if I was to put this into here and shake it around for millions of years, that out of chaos, these two bolts, or this nut and this bolt would come together. I don't think I could sell any one of you on it. Then I'm gonna take it to the step further and say, so, okay, now I'm just asking for this to be made and, and come together. Right diameter, the right thread pitch, the right angle of the threads, the molecules, all this, and I'm gonna ask 3,500 of these to come together, all different sizes, all different areas that they have to go to to build that truck. And they have to line up perfectly, and at the end of all of it, it just magically starts up and it runs. I couldn't sell that to you guys. No matter how much research and everything I did, I couldn't sell that to you. But I feel, in some ways, that's what's being sold to us in the world. That I am by chance, that I am really not that much more challenging than a nut and bolt. That my body, my hands, is actually more simplified than this. And so, I'm all by chance. Um, in fact, this was all by chance, and, and we should be able to make this. If we can make this, we should be able to make this. Like, I'm just bringing up a valid point. Not to say that science is bad. I'm not saying that. That reveals God. The thing I'm saying is, like, when you're having conversations with your friends or family, like, point some of this out. I think we've been so numb to it so long that we forget that there is a creator in all this. We stop when we're driving and, and let's say we find ruins. We see rocks that are stacked on top of rocks and we stop. We're like, wait, someone's been here. Intelligence, intelligence has been here. Because we know that nature just automatically don't build that by itself. We stop. We take warning to that. We see that. That's some of the things that's going on here if you... If you read in Romans again, he's, Paul's trying to show that, like, look, we've got this problem. We've all done against what our conscience says, what's going on. We've all looked around us. We've seen things out there in the world that points to something more than us, and we choose to ignore it. At the end of this one, I, I wrote, the more we, the more we learn the more we can see God. The more that we see in His, in the science of the world and everything, the more we see, like, uh, for a lack of a better term right now, I'll use it, the, the grand design talk. Like, we see a creator. We see that things were designed. We also see the other way going. The more we can learn, or the more that sometimes we learn, the more we puff up and the more we think we understand everything. And we start going down this road where Paul goes next. In 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They ignored all this. They ignored the everyday stuff because everyday stuff to them was just everyday stuff. It's always been here. Um, all that really affects me in the here is now is what's going to happen tomorrow, this, that, and the other. Like, they, they started ignoring it all. They started making things their own truth, they started to understand God's 
smaller things, and they thought they understood all things. And, and they started becoming blind. We can start becoming blind when we think we know everything. When we lose that, um, that humbleness of who we are and understand that we are very um, fragile creatures. Um, here today, gone tomorrow. But we forget that sometimes. I think we talked about that earlier a minute ago. About Well, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, but we sure act like it. Um, I know I do. I know I get involved in Tony Land quite often, unfortunately. Um, and and uh, there's nothing saying that that uh, that our tomorrow is guaranteed. Another challenging thought I had, and, and maybe this one should have come before that. There are so many things in this world we don't understand. So. Have you ever, what is it, the, the, the talk about a weatherman is most paid liar or something, or he, gets, he, he does his job wrong every day and he still continues to get paid. I know I'm botching that, but there's something that, about that. You know what I mean. Like A weatherman has a tough job to try to understand everything that goes on in, in, in our atmosphere and in, in the heat cycles, the cold cycles. I listen to my daughter, Ashley, with her um, aviation stuff and how much she watches the weather and how much she's after that because it affects so much of an airplane on what it can happen, and it's just mind-blowing. And you're, you're always looking at it. Ashley, aren't you? You're, before you go on a flight, it's probably, I don't even know. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's hard to, to understand that, and we can see it. We've got the things here today to see what, what weather patterns are happening, but we don't understand that. But yet we've almost been sold that we can, we can understand with most certainty yesterday, 2,000 years ago. Yesterday, 5,000 years ago. We're almost sold that. I don't even think it's almost. We're sold that as, as truth, as fact, that this is what has happened. Um, not going through the Noah debate about the flood or anything like that, although I do believe it. I believe it in the Word of God. But I find it strange that we can, we can believe God that He created and that um, out of... Uh, out of nothing came something because he spoke it, but we have a hard time buying that God created a flood. Why? If you, if you actually, this was something that uh, was surprising to me. Our, our earth, if you was to make it just perfectly smooth and make it a ball, and there's no depths of the ocean and there's no mountains, we have about almost three miles of water that covers our whole earth. You know, again, I'm not trying to put that speculation out there, but like, you know, if there was some... Again, God is all-powerful. The seismic events, different things that happen and things got pushed around, there's more than enough water to cover the earth. We don't talk about that stuff. We don't listen to that stuff. We're just sold all the time what we think. And so this ain't a ploy to knock science. I, I just want to make that clear. I, I, I think science is valuable. Um, it, again, it, to me, it shows us the glory of God. All this understanding of our of our universe, the more that we send out these, these rover things, these things that go out there, I find intriguing. It blows me away. And, and if anything, it just shows God even more. So as you're going to see coming up uh, in, in the next, um, going through Romans, you're going to see this, this 22 where it says, claiming to be wise, they become fools. So I talked about it. When we start, we, we, we get this, we can understand the little things of how God created. 
do we come humble and understand like he, <laughs> who he is? Or do we take these little things and we think we know it all now? We stand on our authority. We stand on, on what we know. And again, everything has to meet with what we know. And, and including things that we don't understand about God, we're going to make it fit our ways. So in claiming to be wise, we became fools. And lastly, it goes, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You know, I look at that more in the times that Paul was in. Um, you, you, you had some of the, the, the pagan type um, worship of, you know, the God of thunder, just different things like that you, you may have had going on. Um, you've got different things where they, they worshiped animals. I think in this day and age, I think there's some that, I think, worship a cow. Um, I think in some other countries, I'm not familiar. What's that? India? Okay, yeah. So there, there, there's that kind of talk. And so I, I got thinking about it. What, what are we exchanging the glory of God, of, of the immortal God for images? And, and I got thinking about, man, this is really going to seem like I'm bashing science, but it's not. And like, I think sometimes we put what our teachers or what our authority roles in our lives, especially in our younger lives. I know in my younger life, I didn't question anything. I didn't ask questions. But sometimes we put more, more truth in this than we do the word of God. On, and, and our own eyesight, our own vision, what he gives us every single day to see. And we don't question. We don't ask. We're just led to go down that road. And especially when you're younger. Um, how many of you, as the older you get, you find out the world is not as black and white as you thought it was? There is corruption. There is agendas. It's sad. It's ugly. I never really thought it was that way. I thought... My government had my best interests in mind. I thought, <laughs> it's laughable now. I, <laughs> at the end of the day, what you really see is everything is made up of human beings. And human beings are broken, lost. We have our own agendas. And so to think that the world is perfect and it's black and white is foolish thinking. I lost my train of thought, Nick. <laughs> uh, not uh, anyways. Um, please, you guys, don't take this as uh, as as going against um, these different things that we're taught in school, as far as what what God has shown us. If anything, so we're we're what what come out of today's message is is I hope it's preparing us to see that all are guilty in front of an Almighty God. We all have that conscience. We all run. We all hide from different things. And second of all, I, I hope this encourages you to dive in to, to the word, to what you're being shown. And I hope it encourages you to have conversations with others, to spark these things that people are so stuck on, but maybe they've never really gone down the road and asked. And there's, there's so much of it. I still, well, I, like I know everything. There's, there's tons of things out there that, that needs to be um, studied and, and walked with. But I'll tell you what, by studying this and, and starting to ask questions, I really do feel it reveals God more and more. It shows him more. And um, ultimately, I hope that this encourages you to bring more people to, to ask them same questions, to find the Lord. Because there's people out there that are broken. There's people out there that are suffering today that go through this world with no hope. With Besides, they, they're just a bunch of cells that were made up randomly, and they don't mean nothing. Um, we have value, you guys. Um, we were created in his image. 
We are loved by him. Um, and, and, he, and he wants us all. He, just look into this. So this is, again, um, hope this prepares you for, for Romans because next week is we're going to see a little bit more of that wrath that, that's coming. Um, let's pray. Um, Father, I thank you for, for how you created us, how you made us, how you made everything. It shows you, Father. It shows your creativeness, your awesomeness, this order to the exact molecule, to like where you position all things, Lord, just shows how exact. It shows your planning. It's just, it's in awe, Father. Um, Lord, I hope you prepare our hearts for some of the things that are coming up. I hope that you've shown us that we're all guilty, that we've all walked against you, Father. We've all ignored you. I've done it this week, Lord. You know that. That I struggle, Father, with, with Tony Land. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would, would just look to you more and more. That we would see your truth, your ways, your love, Father. And just more and more, Father, we're, we're shown that, that glory, that we're we're seeing your glory in all this, Father, and that we're just in uh, total like humbleness, submission to that, Father. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word and your love. Amen.